welcome to Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Relationships are probably where we spend the most time and the most energy in our lives. They can be the sources of our greatest joy, but they can also cause us the deepest pain and frustration. This podcast is about helping you connect a little bit better every day in your relationships. Welcome to episode three of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. I am so excited for today's topic. Today I have Ashley Eckerman joining me. Ashley is a sports psychology coach and founder of Maximize the Mind Mental Performance Coaching. She teaches athletes tools to develop a stronger mindset so their mental capacity matches their physical capacity. She teaches mental skills training and says that it's all about helping them handle high-pressure situations, overthinking, hesitation, and fear of failure so that they can enjoy competing. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you. So tell me about your typical day in terms of the sort of clients that you see and issues that you see in your practice. Okay. This is a question I get all the time because nobody ever knows what sports psychology is. And as soon as they walk in my office, they're like, oh my gosh, I needed this when I was a kid. So it's not maybe the most uh, popular of topics, but I work with youth through professional athletes and I see clients in my office for one-on-one sessions, but I also do video conferencing sessions. I have athletes all over the country and internationally. And a lot of times, you know, people are traveling and it's like, I can't get in and you don't want to stop the work that you're doing. So we, we do FaceTimes, we do Zooms, oh, good. we make it work. Um, so I also do team workshops and speaking events, but the majority of my time is one-on-one with clients. And a lot of the things that I see are performance anxiety, super mm-hmm. popular, shouldn't be, but it is. Um, <laughs> overstressing, like just not really knowing how to balance it all. I see a lot of perfectionism, which isn't always, Mm. you know, oh, it has to be just right or, oh, it has to be a hundred. But really to me, perfectionism is rooted in the fear of failure. And they're just so Mm -hmm. afraid to mess up. And they'd literally rather sit on a bench than put themselves out there because they might embarrass themselves. So we work through a lot of that uh, trouble with emotions, pressure. I see a lot of lack of like assertiveness, like they just hesitate. They just don't really um, feel very confident. I see a lot of burnout. They've just Mm kind of lost the love of their sport or let's see, probably needing help focusing. And I'm going to have to go with the biggest, I'll I'll save the best for last. Okay. Negative thinking. (laughs) Oh, okay. You know, it's, it's ironic as you list all those and I'm kind of writing them down quick as I can. Um, those are all the same things that like people come to me about as adults. Sure. We, you know, like right now with COVID trying to decide whether to send their kids back to school. They're so afraid of failure. Like they're so afraid if I send them back, it's going to be a mistake. If I don't send them back, it's going to be a mistake. And so it's interesting that these issues that maybe kids have in sports, if they sort of don't figure them out then and adults, they kind of spill into other parts of life, huh? Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, people go, oh, well, I just don't know if um, they're really going to play baseball forever. So I don't know if this yeah. is worth it. And I'm like, you know, you want your kid to do well in their sport, but ultimately 
you want them to learn how to navigate life and, and mm. they just need to learn how to interact with other people and, and be more confident in school and just their relationships, right? Like that turns into who we are. These are life problems. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is so true. I just got to chill as you said that because I do think that so many parents get fixated on like the actual success of the sport, what level they get to, the goals they score, if it's a competition team or an elite team or what have you. But really, it's those lessons of teamwork and persistence and grit and picking yourself up after a failure. That's so true. Sure. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you get your kids involved in sports because you want them to, you meet other kids or you want them to work on their, their hand-eye coordination or you want them to be a part of something. But yeah, I think the life lessons you get from learning how to interact and, and cooperate and, you know, bounce back from mistakes, like, you know, isn't that makes you who you are and it kind mm-hmm. of really develops your character. And I think that's maybe the bigger the bigger reason for kind of learning how to navigate the middle part of it. That's right. That's right. So kind of following up with that, as you talk about how like sort of our initial reasons for getting kids in sports, one of the questions I get asked a lot and and a reader asked this question is what is a good age and a good way to start, start sports with their kids? Okay. So this is tough because this is, this gets really controversial So Mm -hmm. I'll I'll give you my opinion and you can take it with a grain of salt. But to me, if you want to be competitive in high school, and I mean, I work with kids every day and, you know, college Mm -hmm. professional um, to the the mom that's the weekend warrior trying to run the first marathon. And Mm -hmm. it's like, if you want to be able to play varsity sports when you get to high school, you have to start early. Is it fair? No. Has it gotten more competitive and, and rougher? Yes. But that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's how it is. And so I think we, you know, I said earlier, hand-eye coordination is built early on. So to me, starting around four or five, it's a good Mm -hmm. thing because you're developing them. It becomes a bad thing when you're pushing them to practice all the time or you're wanting them to be the next Olympian and they're five, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? And so (laughs) you got to be honest with yourself and like, okay, how am I communicating? They're five. They're not my colleague. And Mm -hmm. how do I measure success? And dear Lord, don't take the fun out of it when they're five. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, that's a, it's a big piece of it. And I, and I think playing multiple sports is so powerful. I see all these parents maybe go, Oh, well, you know, you can only do this sport because I want you to specialize this and I want you to be really good in this. And Honestly, playing multiple sports typically turns out a better athlete because it promotes muscle development and it decreases injuries. It gives them balance and like it helps them decide what they love and it actually decreases stress. So it's like, yes, you do have to specialize eventually, but I don't really think you Mm -hmm. only have to play, you know, one sport when you're seven years old, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So what I hear you saying is start early with your kids, like get them exposed at four or five, but keep it fun, keep it light, you know, don't really push or specialize that early. Yeah, I think, you know, allowing them to have some decision and be part of what they choose, not you're playing soccer because I played soccer kind of thing. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I think that makes a big uh, difference. And I also think allowing those kids to enjoy it it's just, it's a big piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they don't enjoy it, they're not going to stick 
with it. Sure. And then they're going to quit. And that creates arguments and tension down the road, too. I'm glad you brought up that Q word, quitting a sport, (laughs) Um, because that's probably the other question I get asked constantly. Um, And, you know, I didn't share at the beginning, but I want to share with people how I got to know you was um, our youngest daughter, Kate, was a competitive gymnast and very successful, really, really successful. And she just kept telling me she wanted to quit. And she had been doing it for five years and she had had periods where she wanted to quit when there was like a change in coaching or a really difficult skill she needed to learn and maybe was afraid of. But this time it sounded a little different to us. And um, so we sought your help. And really one of the reasons we sought your help was because our older son had been a national competitor in judo, had gone to the Junior Olympics and was really good and wanted to quit. And we let him quit. And about a year later, he came to us and said, why did you let me quit? I was just a kid. Like why? And, and kind of was mad at us, not for long, by the way, just for a couple of weeks, but um, that we let him quit. And so we didn't want to make that mistake again. It's hard to like for, you know, I think Kate was in maybe fifth grade when we brought her to you and she's in eighth now, fourth or fifth. But um, so to know, like, does your child really know or do you push them? And so one of the questions I get, and you helped us so much, Ashley, by the way, but one of the questions I get is when is it okay? When do we know when to let them quit something? And that could be a sport or anything, you know, an instrument or you know, another activity. Sure. And so I always tell kids when they come to me, or if I'm lucky enough to work with them before they get to the point of, I kind of want to quit, but I don't want to quit. And usually what they use because, you know, they have a hard time taking responsibility is like, well, my mom won't let me quit. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, I bet you she wouldn't say the same thing, (laughs) but it doesn't matter what we put out there. It's how they perceive the information. And Mm -hmm. so I always kind of talk to them about, and and this, they don't have to talk to me. This is something you can have a conversation with your kids as well. Why did you get started? Why do you do this? What do you want to get out of it? And just because you've always wanted to be a, a college softball player doesn't mean you have to still do it. But when it's tough, are we walking away? Like, you know, you said, and I remember working with Kate, like when we're afraid that it just got a little harder and things have been relatively easy for us. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm being challenged. I don't want to do this anymore. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of try to bargain with them. I'm like, do you really not want to do this? Or is it that it's overwhelming? And for the first time you were challenged because Mm -hmm. are you going to quit when it gets tough? Because let me tell you, the majority of people do. That's why we have Mm -hmm. very few, um, you know, elite athletes because it gets tough and it's like, oh, I'm good. I'm, I changed my mind. You know, it's like a diet. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, I need to lose weight. (laughs) Oh my God. Just kidding. I have to eat salads every day in a row. No, I'm good. Yeah, You know, so I try to kind of um, get them to say, let's get back to where we can enjoy it. And we're not quitting out of fear. We're not quitting because of a tough coach or we're not making a certain team. And then let's leave on your terms because honestly, Mm -hmm. you will regret it. And that is the worst feeling on the planet, right? We don't, we don't get another Mm -hmm. life. We don't get a do-over. And so I just kind of talk to him in the sense like, I'm not your mom. I don't have any stake in the game. I'm not trying to tell you to stay mm-hmm. because I think they really need to know that you you are connecting with them and that you're trying to help them navigate this tough decision and not telling mm-hmm. them what they should do. So if you're having a conversation with your kid, I think it's speaking about 
Um, I know it's not fun right now. I get that. I know it's tough, but if you're really never going to compete again, do you want your last memories to be miserable? Or like, if this is Mm -hmm. it and this is your last season, do you want them Mm -hmm. to be awesome? And if this is the last time I'm going to experience this, how do you want to go out? And how do you want to be remembered and in kind of really reevaluate their why? And you know what? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's time to move on because Mm -hmm. you don't want to push them to do something you don't like because they will resent you and they will turn around Mm -hmm. and go, well, they never let me quit or they never listened to me. And so you just kind of really Mm -hmm. want to figure out the source because I think too, a Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, well, they said they didn't want to do it and I didn't want to be the source of pressure. So I let them walk away and I think evaluate the age or why do they really want to get out of it or how long have they been in it and give them an opportunity. This is going to sound super cheesy, but give Mm -hmm. them an opportunity to teach you like sit Mm -hmm. down and have the conversation when there isn't like emotion around the topic, like Mm -hmm. not when, Oh my God, I'm so frustrated. I don't want to go to practice and you're making me go like probably Mm -hmm. not a good time to have that conversation in the car. Right. Right. And and just kind of ask them what, you know, what do you want out of this? And I think there's a something to really, I don't know, like I'll say take note of because there's different Mm -hmm. types of training. Like there's different reasons for getting in sport. And to me, there's to learn. Like, this is fun. I want you to learn how to play volleyball, um, Mm -hmm. to compete when you get a little bit more competitive and to be involved in something, whether it's, I want to be involved in junior high athletics. I want a letter jacket in high school. Right. And then you have Mm -hmm. to excel and really that's kind of part of your identity and you are going to get better and you are going to go to the next level. And so does your Mm -hmm. athlete feel like it's something they have to do? Mm-hmm. Or is it really important for mom? Or is it yeah. something that they get to do? And and kind of asking, you, you know, your kiddo, what level of expectation do you have? Why are we competing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, look at the outcome and, and how mm-hmm. how long this decision affects your family and mm-hmm. everything that kind of goes into it. And I just I just really recommend having those kind of conversations when they're not based on leaving practice or going to practice because yeah. they're never um, unbiased. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're catching them in that mood at that moment. But that is such good advice. I love what you said about leaving on your terms because I don't know if you know this. And this is, I just, I'm, I'm going to shamelessly brag for minute but you know um when Kate saw you it was right before state championships and you know she was evaluating whether to quit and of course we said you don't quit now like you said leave on your terms and leave on a high note and you know you taught her such confidence and such like mental training she went in and she killed it she won first place in the state of Texas and um she she did quit the next day, but she left on her terms. She got the highest score ever of any gymnast at her gym. And it is still three years later, the highest score, the highest score she's ever gotten. And she had fun. She did every single event, you know, even like her least favorite, which was vault with a smile on her face. And because she was leaving on her terms, she decided this was it for her and I'm going to go and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to leave on my terms. And, you know, I would not say we were the 
overcommitted parents, we were supportive if she wanted this. And we were at every meet and we, you know, cheered her on and we were very committed to match her commitment. Um, but you said something to me that just really made me know, well, she really, she was quitting for the right reasons for the first, you know, in the first place. But you said to me, Kim, if she goes as far as she can go with this, you know, what age is that? And I said, oh, probably gymnast, like 20, 21. And you said, yes. And your relationship with her is forever. And that's what I love when you said, um, you know, like ask them why they're doing this. What do they want at the end? Kate told us, I don't want to be a college gymnast. I don't want to be an Olympic gymnast. And maybe those things could have happened, but she didn't want that. She loved it for the fun of it. And she did like the competition, but she didn't maybe do that last part. Like when you said you do it to learn, to compete, to excel, that last part, that end goal, it wasn't there for her. And she knew that. Uh huh. And I remember when you told me how well she did, I was like, yes, because and then <laughs> it was, it was fun and I wasn't doing it for other people. She was finally doing mm. it for her. And I truly believe mm -hmm. expectations lead to disappointment because when you're competing for other mm. people, you can only keep up for so long. And when she made it about her, and I know she, she had a lot of fears that we had to work through. And I was like, girlfriend, give me some time <laughs> to kind of like make sure we're going out on the right reasons. And she was really good about, um, okay, I'll commit to this. And, you know, not being like, well, I want to quit anyway, so it doesn't matter what you say. She was very open, very receptive. And I think that's what allowed her to enjoy that last run. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't yeah. like you have to finish. It was like, well, what else could this look like? And now she dances and like she just wanted to explore other things and different sides of her creativity. And I think she's probably so much happier because she was given the gift of choice. Oh, I just got to chill. That is so right. And, you know, one of the pieces of advice that you gave us was um, if she does quit and we all kind of agree on that, which we did, she's got to do something like she's an athlete and she needs to move her body. And for Kate, and you probably see this with a lot of your athletes, she actually does better in school like way better in school. When she quit gymnastics, her grades dropped significantly for like a couple of weeks because then we said, come on, girl, you got to do something. And she tried golf. That was something you kind of suggested. And she was good, but, you know, it wasn't her love. And she had danced before and, and she'd even danced during gymnastics. But she, I, she said, if I have to do something, I'll go back to dance. Well, she fell in love with dance all over again. And what you said very early on in this conversation, doing multiple things as a kid, because we kept up the dance with the gymnastics for as long as possible, a couple years that they, she did them simultaneously. The dance helped her be a better gymnast. And now the gymnastics helps her be a better dancer because she can do aerials and she has the strength and the stamina and the muscle. Like she could get up on point earlier because she had stronger legs and so it transferred beautifully. And you're right. She's so happy. And there's like this freedom. And so I think like, how do you help kids transition either from one sport to a next or like a reader submitted this question? How do you help a kid deal with the loss of an elite sport when it's not in their life anymore or help them transition from one sport to another? 
Yeah, that's such a tough one because it's so specific to the athlete and, mm. you know, what they're doing. And I'll, I'll say this because I do get a lot of athletes that come in and they go, I want to be done, you know, but my parent is kind of like, no, they're too good to walk away. I'm not going to let them make this decision. And I've got to, I mean, I'm just going to make up a percentage, but like I have to say yeah. probably around 70% learn to love their sport again. And they're like, Oh man, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Or, Oh, you're right. If I look at it this way, or, Oh man, if I kind of just channeled my nerves a little bit better, it would be more fun. Or if I learned to look at pressure in a different way and they stay and they, they go, yeah. I wait a minute. I wasn't ready. I just wasn't enjoying it the way I was participating, but I would say 30% mm-hmm. kind of go, you know what, it's time. And we do help them transition out. I think what's important to kind of take note of is you've got to transition to the next journey and not just assume they'll figure it out because they've probably identified as a football player or a gymnast or whatever their sport was for a really long time. And so now, well, what do people know me for? Well, this is what I'm good at. This is what people expect of Mm -hmm. me. And so I think really talking about different ways they can find success in, in other things that they're good at, and maybe even like you would talk about like how the gymnastics really complimented her being able to do point. And that's so true. Like, okay, what strengths do you have? What qualities have you gained from this sport? How can that help you in other areas and what excites you? And I think just really looking at the next step and not assuming that they'll kind of figure it out because that's something that they've probably associated with for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so good. Yeah, because there's always something that um, will translate from one thing to another. And and I think, too, tell me about this, but, like, it seemed to me like she needed a break, you know, when you compete, when she was transitioning um, from one sport to the next. And then, like, the next time around, we didn't give her pressure. Like, we, she had an audition at the Houston Ballet, and we were like, she actually came to me and said, no, I feel like I'm going to get right back into that high-pressure situation. So she just started dance for fun. Now she is competing on an elite level, but it was her journey. And so, like, is it okay to just let them do the next thing just for fun for a while rather than kind of jumping from one competitive sport to another competitive sport? Absolutely, because... I okay. I'll I'll talk I'll talk about this for a little bit, like motivation, mm-hmm. right? If yeah, if someone feels a loss of control, then they mm-hmm. no longer want to do the task. If someone's telling somebody what to do, um, you and I both know in our line of work, the the brain hates commands. I don't want to be mm-hmm. told to uh, relax or to calm down or to empty the <laughs> dishwasher. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I wasn't going to get up and do it. But when you tell me to do it, I'm like, mm, no, I'm good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just based on motivation theory, you're going to give more effort and you're going to be more driven if you have a choice and you have authority. And um, it's something that you get to control the outcome. And I the way I can I think best describe it to help your kid discover that because that's a fine line of figuring it out, right? Like in in every behavior Mm -hmm. is modeled. So it's not like they're born with this stuff. Nobody's born with confidence. Um, You know, they have to learn the skill. So I think to motivate more effectively, you have to measure more than results, right? So Mm. I think it's very common for us to be like, well, um, 
you got to this level. Awesome job. You got this time. Great. Um, you got this score. You got an A, right? And we say things like, well, in this household, the expectation is that you're going to get all A's. You're intelligent. And this is what we expect of you. And we think we're raising our kids to a higher standard. And like, that's awesome. But I think you have to be really careful about how it gets communicated. And you have mm-hmm. to measure the progress that your child is taking to improve. And it has yeah. to be like about their effort level. And so instead of like, okay, if you get an A, you're a really good student, maybe something like, well, if you turn in your homework, that's how you get A's. When you pay attention mm-hmm. in class, when when you ask questions, when you attend tutoring, when you set enough time aside for studying, that's how you get A. And then that's the quality of a good student, right? Or like, yeah. if we're going to, you know, go back to sports, like, you really kind of want to avoid um, you know, good job playing tonight. And you're like, no, no, no. I told my kid to do Good job. You said praise. Like <laughs> I did the right yeah. thing. And I know we all think that because that's how we were all raised. But I mean, you know, the research points now to being a little bit more specific. So I saw you hustle and that really stood out. Or I see that your work is paying off because you've been putting in the time. Or I really think you, you know, you beat that kid out for that position because of all the drills you've been doing. And then Again, it goes Mm -hmm. back to, I have control over the outcome because when I have control, Mm -hmm. I'm naturally more motivated because I can switch to celebrating success. And, you know, every time I've made an interval, every night they've gone to bed on time, every time an assignment's been turned in, you're now encouraging something that they are capable of. And I Mm -hmm. think that makes a big difference. I love that because you're right. We shouldn't focus on the end result, whether it's a grade or a goal or, you know, a time or the points, because that burns out over time. And to just like really compliment them on their effort, their progress, their dedication, their grit, their improvement. I think that's where you really see that long haul improvement. That's awesome. I love that. And you know what? Well, it's not anything profound. We've all heard. No, it's just more am I consciously making that effort every day? Because we naturally mm-hmm. want to talk like, you know, the easiest route, the, the brain will always choose the path of least resistance, right? So it's just easy to say, mm-hmm. hey, good job. And you're like, okay, wait a minute, how can I be more specific? Or how can I make that better? And you just have to, I think, make an effort for that on yourself too. Yeah, it's just a little bit more work. But it also shows our kids, I think, what we value. Do we value the I always tell people to give like value laden praise to their kids. Like instead of saying great job on scoring, like, like you said, compliment their hustle. Cause that's the value, the hard work. And kids love to hear that. We all do. Right. Like I love to hear praise. Of course. My, yeah. And so you'll be more likely to do it. It's interesting. I did get a question from a reader that kind of goes along with this and, um, And so I just kind of want to throw it out there. She said, is it okay to bribe your kids playing sports? I paid $100 a goal last week. You know, is this all right? And I think I know your thoughts, but I thought, well, if if one person's doing this, maybe other parents are doing this too. And and I'd like you to just kind of tell us what what you think of that idea. Sure. Okay. Well, first of all, you read it and it sounds outrageous and everyone's like, oh, I would never do that. I'm like, baloney, (laughs) because it comes in my office every day, girl. 
Who does? Um, okay. Yes. And, and people pay their kids for grades sure. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So I'll say this. There's all different ways of motivating. And you are the person that knows best how your child's going to respond. Right. Um, I would ask this though. And, th- and this is when you got to get raw and you got to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Am I bribing for results? And, and if that's mm. the case, obviously, yes, that's typically the answer. So are you only bribing on results? Because I think incentives are awesome. Like that's human nature. We all operate that way. I'm going to work harder if I get something. I mean, that's the whole workforce. I want to get a promotion, right? But mm-hmm. you've got to reward the progress, obviously the effort, the attitude, being on time, being a good teammate. Wow. You really let go of that mistake quicker. You didn't throw your bat down or, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. And I think if you really just reward the outcome, which I know is like the first thing we think of, you teach them that that's all that matters. So then they learn Mm -hmm. ultimately I'm not good. If I didn't get a goal, I'm not Mm -hmm. successful. If I didn't achieve what the, you know, outcome was for, what, what the incentive was for. Right. So here's mm-hmm. what you're doing. And I, we, we don't realize this, right. Because there's no freaking parenting manual. <laughs> We're figuring mm-hmm. it out, but you're creating that fear of disappointment and you don't even realize it. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think we, we've all had something that we've been gifted and we work harder because of it, but you just get sent that message that you, it only, is qualified if I meet that outcome instead of what I have control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about that when I read that question. I thought, well, you know, you don't always have control over that because maybe you're playing against the best goalie in the world, sure. you know, or in the, in your county. And so you could, like you said, be doing the drills, be putting in the effort, being a great teammate, passing to people, having a positive attitude, and you might not score the goals. And so you'd feel like a failure when really in that game, you still did all the right things, but you didn't get as many goals. And so, yeah, I like that. That's a good answer because I think you're right. Like, of course, most it's human nature to do things because of reward, but watch it. So, so your advice is to really think about what it is we're rewarding. Are we just rewarding that end result? That's not always in our control as an athlete or are we rewarding all the things that come before that end result? Right. And so here's the thing. I'm not saying it's, I got paid for grades when I was growing up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not immune to any of this stuff. But if I look back now, instead of maybe getting paid for the A, would it have been better to get paid to turn in every assignment or get paid to, and I sound so, it sounds so bad to say get paid, but I mean, you know, like rewarding mm-hmm the, the effort that I put in and not so much the end result, because then I think ultimately you're also teaching your kids that the harder you work, you're going to get, you know, what, I guess the work you put in type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really the lesson we want them to learn in the end. So how, this is a question that I hear a lot too. And I think every parent has dealt with this. How do you help your athlete after they have had a bad game or a bad practice or a bad meet or, you know, performance? Um, what's the best way to respond to not make it worse? Um, so that's probably the question I get, uh, every day in my inbox. (laughs) Um, and I'll just say this because there's, there's so many different things you can do, but I'll just give you a couple nuggets that maybe, 
uh, your listeners can kind of take with them and, and break down because I could write a book on this, you know, um, mm-hmm. one of the worst things I think you can say to your child after a performance is how did you do? How did it go when they, maybe even when they get in the car after practice or when they get in, because we're, we think, well, we're talking to them. We want to um, communicate. We, we want them to know that we're interested, but chances are your child's going to say what they did wrong. And mm. you didn't mean to, but you just created a harmful imprint because right then they are super self-conscious. They are beating themselves up. They are embarrassed. They can't believe they made this mistake. And so they're always going to go with, well, man, this went wrong and I did this and man, that was so dumb. So they probably did 10 other awesome things, but they have a hard time holding on to the good. We, we always hear the negative more loudly, right? So mm-hmm. my suggestion would be, what did you do well? Like lead mm-hmm. off with something that they have to respond with, right? Prompt them. What did you learn today? Um, what's one thing that you did better than you did yesterday? Or what was fun today? Or, or tell me the best part of today's practice or tell me your favorite drill. So mm-hmm. you're prompting the response that you want them to hold on to and that you really want to reinforce. Because the more you talk about the errors, the more they think that's who they are as an athlete or player, student, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'll say is, and, and this one's super hard and we are all guilty of this, but don't talk about the game, the meet, and um, the performance, you know, whatever it is that your kid's involved in for two to three hours. Mm. And everybody wants to do this. Oh my God. Immediately. So you need so much patience. Yes. Well, I'm not telling you my stuff's easy, girl. It's hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you really just have to wait until that emotion has dissipated. And I know it is so tempting to be like, why did you swing at that? Why did you take that <laughs> extra breath? Because you think, like, oh my gosh, I need to know why. I need to know. And honestly, they don't know why or they wouldn't have done it. You know? Yeah. And so now yeah. they're internalizing it. And they're placing all this pressure on themselves, on themselves, excuse me, to please you. And the best way Mm -hmm. to actually support them is, hey, how are you feeling? Or what adjustments do you think we need to make? Or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what can I do to help you prepare differently, but not immediately talking about it because they're not going to hear you anyway. They're already going over everything in their head. And when you just kind of direct attack. And I know it's not meant to be an attack. It's meant to be a discussion, but that is how they perceive it. And then the other thing I'll say is you've got to avoid giving them corrections automatically. Mm. And what I mean by that is like, we're like, oh, I know what you did wrong. Hold on. Let me coach you Mm -hmm. up. Let me fix that. Mm -hmm. And so kind of instead ask for their permission, ask for their permission to correct them. And what I mean Mm. is like, can I offer a suggestion that I think will help your swing? Or mm-hmm. are you open to hearing some advice that I noticed? And you know, they're, they might say no, and you're going to have mm-hmm. to honor that. And yes, that is so mm-hmm. hard. And you're going to have to come back to it later because they're not going to hear you right now, no matter what you say. And you could have gold, but it doesn't matter because they're not going to be able to absorb it. And here's the deal. Most of the time, they're so curious. They're going to ask you for that feedback or, or well, what do you think again? Or what, well, what was that you were going to tell me? <laughs> but you have to wait till they're not frustrated. And so then their brain can actually absorb what you're wanting to correct instead of feeling attacked. And then they take ownership on how that was received and win-win. 
Yeah, you have to wait till they're ready. It's so funny. We just recorded some episodes on talking to your teenagers. And I almost give that same advice that say to you, say to your teenagers, do you want me to just listen or would you like my advice? Yes. And wait for that invitation before you just advise them. Because if you just give it to them and it's not what they want, it, they're going to hear like the Charlie Brown sure. voice, yes. and rah, 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 you know? Um, and, and so, yeah, I think it's really similar. I mean, that was one of the things that was unique about our gym and our when Kate did gymnastics is they sent home this whole parent guide of what to say and not say after a meet. Oh, that's awesome. And they spe- oh, yeah. And they specifically said, and I remember reading it and being like, really, this is crazy because she was in kindergarten but um, when she started. But saying don't ever talk about the mistake when they fell off the beam, when they fell off the bars, when they stepped out of the floor um, or they fell or tripped or whatever. Like, it is not your job. That is the coach's job. As the parent, you are there to watch and to cheer them on and, you know, to point out what you liked watching, but do not coach them. That is our job. And, um, and I, and we had to sign a contract actually kind of saying that we would do that. And, and of course it was hard because like you said, in baseball and lacrosse and other sports, our boys had played, I'm not athletic, so I never gave them advice or coaching, but my husband would want to, you know, pipe in on soccer or what have you. Um, And so to not like that just wasn't part of our relationship. It was not part of the parent relationship after the meet. She would do like this happened naturally. What you're saying, we didn't talk about the mistakes and we didn't even really talk about it much for two to three hours. We'd like go get food and drive home. And like the next day she would kind of talk to us about it. So I love that advice because I think that's how it should be for most sports. I mean, I think, yeah, parents, sometimes we have the wisdom and sometimes the coaches don't have the time to individually connect with each athlete on improvements and corrections. Um, So it's good for parents to do it, but I like you say, wait, make sure it's invited, make sure it's well-received. Sure. And I, I think the key, though, it, you can wait for them to bring it up. And I know you're like, no, but I'm helping. No, I'm encouraging. No, I'm supporting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, you think all those things, but like they don't need technical aspects of coaching. You're, like you mentioned, your job is to be mom. Um, they mm-hmm. need feedback that says, I care about you no matter what. And I think what you did just showing up was incredible. And just getting mm-hmm. that... Um, and I think we think, well, if we notice some details that maybe, yeah, their coach didn't see that will help them, they're well prepared. They know those details. And yeah. I think um, that's just such a such a hard thing to bite your tongue, but it just really goes a long way. Well, what you see probably all the time and I see now is parents are over-involved. And we could probably do a whole second episode on this, but they're so over-invested sometimes in their own, in their child's success that they have to be really careful of those blurring those lines between, is this about them or is this about their kiddo? And I think to kind of have these, all of these suggestions you gave help us as parents to really sort of know our role in supporting our child who's a competitor or an athlete. So if I had to ask you, Ashley, I'm kind of ending all my podcasts with this same question. What is one piece of practical wisdom you can offer parents today as we close on your, on sports psychology and mental capacity? 
Okay. That's, that's such a good one. Like, like, can I give you like a branch off or do I just have to? Sure. <laughs> I'm no, like, sure. I've got lots of little things floating <laughs> around in my head right now. Um, okay. Well, the first one I'll say is I get a lot of, you know, my kid gets really anxious and I don't know how to help them. And, um, I'm sure, you know, you probably get that as well. Mm-hmm. And what I hear most often is they'll say things like, well, calm down or just relax. And I always hear it in the stands and, you know, they actually get their reverse effect. It it makes it worse. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we know the brain hates, be calm, don't think about it or whatever. Um, I think telling them to ask themselves questions, how can I help you? Am I allowing my body to relax what am I focusing on? And am I, am I thinking about what I want to happen or what am I trying to avoid? Or do you just need some space? Like make it a question so that they can respond better. I think Mm -hmm. that's a, a big piece of the puzzle. And then I think creating a plan with your kids, like when they strike out, when they get DQ'd, when they fall, so they know what to do. Because I really think kids don't know how to experience failure. We always go in and we want to fix it immediately. And we're like, Oh, I have to help them. And I think if you write down with them, like together, okay, when you fall, cause it's not, if it's when, <laughs> and mm-hmm. when you fall, what are you going to say immediately? What could we think? And what are you going to do with your body language? And so then you're mm-hmm. teaching them what to do when they fall. So it's not just so debilitating or so embarrassing. They already have that plan and half the time they won't even need it because they're like, Oh, I have a plan. So I'm good. You know, every time I fall doesn't mean I'm going to get hurt. I know what my plan is. And then Mm -hmm. I think also maybe sharing a, a sharing a time with them that you failed because, you know, everybody thinks like I'm the only one that goes through this. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Here, here's when I messed up. Here's when I was totally embarrassed. And here's what I, I learned from it so that they can really understand failure is an opportunity to get better because when they fail, we always go in with that comment. Oh, well, what did you learn from this? And, and let's (laughs) talk about the experience, but we don't really talk about it beforehand. So they kind of think that's a load of hooey when they get it. Mm -hmm. They're just more, I love that. Yeah. You know, like risk or good. Here's what happens when they don't go our way. So it's not always from a negative perspective, I think. Yeah, those are great, great pieces of wisdom. And that's what I'm always looking for with this podcast is what is one thing today that a parent could take and apply and all of those they, that we can. And and just like you said, not just to sports, to academics, to, you know, writing, to instruments, to whatever our kids are doing. Um, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Ashley. This has been great. Can you share with our listeners where they can find you? Um, I I love that you're doing long distance, um, and virtual calls in your practice and your social media, if they want to talk further with you or follow you on social media. Sure. Um, my website's probably the best place to go. It's just maximizethemind.com because I think a lot of people just don't really understand what is mental performance coaching or what all does that entail. And, you know, we touched on a few, uh, key things, but I have a lot of articles on there and a lot of information that people can kind of learn more about and go, is this for me? Could, could we benefit from this? And, um, 
I have an online course coming up, hopefully at the end of this year. And if we can make some more time and it's just called the mental performance playbook. So even if you don't have time to maybe connect one-on-one because it is a commitment, you can uh, get information, head over to the site and enter your email. And then, you know, you can get information how, um, or I guess I should say when that gets released and Facebook is just at maximize the mind and Instagram is actually at Eckerman Edge. Thank you so much, Ashley. Okay, have a good one. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Hopefully, you've heard something that will help you as you continue to navigate the connections in your everyday relationships. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Kim Swales or check out my website, www.kimswales.com. I'd also love if you would click subscribe and leave a positive review or a five-star rating for the podcast, as well as share it with your friends and family. The material in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of medical or psychological counsel, please seek a licensed professional in your area. This episode was edited and produced by Sonia Kerrigan.